This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm joined now on the line by A.L. Gura, who's the co-founder and chairman of Zebra Medical Vision. Ayal, wel- welcome to Launchpad. Hi, everyone. Good, mo- good evening. Hi there. And we're, we're experimenting. This is our first interview from, we are, we are reaching you in Israel. So I really appreciate your getting up in the middle of the night to join us. Thank you. I, I thought I, I'm done with uh, staying up in the middle of the night for Wharton, but I guess I had one more night to do. Ah, I forgot to mention that Ayal is is a Wharton grad, so he's MBA uh, class of 2008. Uh, the difference was you were staying up, you were staying up in your own volition, not because someone's calling you from the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate your your j- taking the time. Let me point our listeners to your website before we get into the into the weeds. So it's zebra hyphen med.com. Okay, Ayal. Uh, give us the elevator pitch for Zebra. Okay, so um, Zebra works in the field of uh, radiology. Radiology is where doctors uh, need to read and diagnose medical imaging scans like CTs, MRIs, X-rays, mammograms, and whatnot. And there is a growing shortage of uh, these experts worldwide in parallel with uh, 2 billion people that are are joining middle class and uh, what we call the scanned population. And so there is lots and lots more scans to read and uh, doctors are overwhelmed by the amount of data with all the new scanners and with the aging population consuming more and more scans. So there is a big need to teach computers how to read medical imaging scans and this is what Zebra does. We secured uh, data access from a very large and reputable healthcare organization, um, and we are using millions and millions of imaging scans in all in order to teach computers how to diagnose specific cases. Uh, tell me, just to make it really concrete, because I want to talk through the workflow a little bit and the actual the actual task. Uh, what? Give us an example of an area of radiology, an area of clinical practice where you are initially focused. Um, so um, because of our broad vision, we're trying to create as many of those AI algorithms to detect as many of the conditions. Um, we finished 017 with more than 10 of those clinical findings covered by our algorithms and um, it's still early early days because the, the shortlist is over 100 algorithms mm. with, uh, that we need to do and so we are at uh, 10 now um, but and that's the broadest coverage that exists currently and just i'll give you a few examples we trained computers how to detect malignant tissues in uh, breast mammograms and how to detect brain bleeds in head CTs, uh, how to detect um, vertebral fractures in uh, chest and abdomen CTs, and how to detect opacities and uh, congestive heart failure in uh, chest x-rays, 
um, and many others. Okay, so I think our listeners probably have a mental image of essentially a photographic negative, which which could be, but it's it could be any image using any any imaging technology, whether it's MRI or CT or X-ray. Let's take a mammogram for an ex- as an example. And so a mammogram is an image that reveals uh, what is it is it's 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 essentially a density um, image, an image of density. The 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 breast is imaged. Uh, th- uh, 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 the breast is is squeezed a bit and then imaged through, and you have an image of the tissue. Um, what is that image, and what's the normal workflow that looks for problems that might be present or revealed by that image? And so, the normal workflow in any of those uh, scans uh, is that uh, once the image is acquired by the scanner. The image is then stored at a centralized archive at the hospital. It's called a PAC system, picture archive system. Um, and then it's being streamed into uh, a viewer, which is a machine uh, that the radiologists are using to view the file. Um, all those devices have the capacity to deal and open a very heavy file. Those are not... Uh, Snapchat or Facebook type of images, uh, but very, very heavy type of images. Some of them have, like in MRI or CT, some of them may include thousands of different slices. Um, mammogram includes uh, only a few slices and also x-rays, but uh, more complex modalities uh, include sometimes thousands of slices. And then the radiologists need to review those slices one by one and looking for uh, whatever he can find. And this is where some of the bias uh, appears because uh, as human beings, we usually trying to find something uh, specific. And uh, by doing that, our, our brain is uh, sometimes ignoring all the rest of the things. So in many cases, we see how radiologists are focused on trying to find the specific reason why the patient came into the hospital, but other things that appear in the scan uh, may be missed. Um, in, in medicine, they call it uh, incident, incidental findings, mm-hmm. but sometimes those findings are crucial. Yeah. And in let's say that a woman has a mammogram at the University of Pennsylvania Hospital, Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Is the radiologist, first of all, is it a radiologist who views the image? Uh, that is a licensed physician, went to medical school yeah. and all that. And where does that radiologist sit typically in the current as-is process? So radiology was one of the first fields in medicine that uh, became tele-enabled, so mm-hmm. uh, radiology started to work remotely um, a decade or more ago, mm-hmm. um, right after the internet was uh, fast enough. Um, so the radiologist may sit in Pennsylvania or in the hospital, but in many cases he may work from home, or mm-hmm. he or she, and in many other cases um, the, the DICOM file, the, those heavy files are being sent uh, to the other side of the world, to places like uh, Australia or India, to be mm-hmm. read overnight mm-hmm. uh, by uh, U.S. certified radiologists that are based in uh, in India or Israel or Australia. Yeah, 
so it's kind of an unusual field in that way, in the sense that all of the information the radiologist has is contained in a digital file. And yeah. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting, a nice opportunity. In the in in terms of where you are going, in terms of the vision, and and I don't know we're gonna I'm gonna ask you in a minute where you are towards that vision, but the the desired workflow, how would it work using Zebra Zebra Medical Vision? Yeah, that's the recent um, RSNA, the Radiology Society of North America conference uh, a month ago in Chicago. We already introduced the Radiology Society with uh, the full vision and how things actually look like. And so when the radiologist opens their viewer, um, and, and it can be one of many viewers we already integrated with, and they have uh, like uh, a widget that pops up and like an overlay um, on top of the CT scan or MRI or uh, mammogram that they're currently watching. And this widget uh, indicates what type of findings our algorithms found uh, out of those uh, uh, 10 or more things we already presented we can find. Um, and we mark to them whether the algorithm indicated uh, abnormality, um, and then they can zoom in and see uh, where exactly and how it looked like. Um, so we are trying to be an integrated part of the radiologist process and not to force them to open a different device or a different machine. And because uh, for radiologists, every second counts, and then, uh, and we try to help them to be more efficient and uh, to increase quality at the same time. Yeah. So there's a there's a joke <clears throat> attributed, I think, to maybe to Danny Kahneman that says the ideal diagnostic system has an AI, a physician, and a dog. And the dog, uh, the physician's job is to feed the dog. The dog's job is to bite the physician if it dares to make a diagnosis, and the AI should just make the diagnosis. I won't get that. Didn't get that quite right. But the the premise, the 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 observation is that often algorithmic methods uh, dramatically outperform the experts, even though the experts don't think so. So where? How do you feel about that, and how have you navigated what what must be really strong biases in the medical community about the role of automation in making diagnoses? Yes, that's it's one of the key challenges for any AI company in, in healthcare. And unlike uh, some other fields where the, the jobs are being done by uh, let's let's take for example Uber drivers or uh, um, less trained uh, professions. In medicine, uh, you're uh, talking and dealing with um, highly educated people that invested sometimes more than ten years of their life in being educated, uh, just in order to make that diagnosis. So the discussion is very different. Um, and uh, you need to be appreciative of that um, and to help them understand what is best. Um, at the end of the day, the doctors also want to increase quality and to do whatever is best for the patient. So um, we need to push the, age, the edges and publish research and work together with them to show them how we can help uh, so that it will not be a zero-sum game. Um, 
with with the two billion people that I mentioned earlier uh, joining middle class worldwide, even if all the radiologists of the world, and unfortunately there are not many of them, mm-hmm. uh, will work 48 hours a day, <clears throat> they will still have uh, too much on their plate, and uh, AI can really help. Ayal, so t- tell us a little bit about how this technology works, and I suppose it it will be obvious. I mean, you already said that you have many many images of let's say mammograms you have many many images to work with but in order for your algorithm to be developed you need to have some diagnosis of associated with those images which was itself made by presumably by a human so maybe you can walk through what data you have and what approach you take to making an inference about or to developing an algorithm that can take a new mammogram image and make a make a, a diagnosis so with mammogram, it's the easier case to explain, but uh, then you can uh, extra- extrapolate the explanation to other cases. So with mammogram, um, not only we had access to uh, very large uh, sets of uh, images, we also had the initial diagnosis that was done indeed by the doctor. But then because of the type of uh, integrated care providers that we partnered with, we also got the actual result, the result of the biopsy um, that uh, these ladies were, were, were sent to do. So not only we knew when and where the radiologist uh, thought um, a biopsy need to be made, we also knew the result of the biopsies and which one was malignant, which one was benign. And then we had a group of radiologists looking back on the same files and annotate and mark for us the areas where the malignant tissue really appears, uh, where, where they actually see the, the needle of the biopsy. Um, and then, uh, and only then we started the training of the computers. Okay, before we uh, get to the training, I'll, let me just ask you about the false negatives. So you presumably have some images in which there was no biopsy because it was missed, and yet there was there was a, a, a problem area. Is that is that right, or or do those eventually get flagged because eventually cancer develops? Both. So we, we have the, those images, but then after a few years, the same population, we see that uh, these are being flagged. I see. Okay, so you have really good data, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. So so now walk and and I want to circle back on on the partnership with the provider because obviously that data piece is critically important. But I wonder if you can just walk our listeners through in in conceptual terms how you develop an algorithm from this data. So conceptually we're using techniques that are called deep learning and machine learning. And in the same way that uh, Facebook, for example, knows how to uh, tag our friends' faces automatically and detect them better than we can mm-hmm. these days, and in the same uh, method that uh, Google knows how to tag on Google images uh, dogs and cats and uh, sunsets and stuff like that, uh, the same techniques are being used to train machines to read imaging scans these days. Um, um, the technique basically includes lots and lots of data um, of tag data so many pictures of 
dogs and many pictures of cats were needed in order to train the Google algorithms and hundreds of millions pictures of uh, human faces were needed to train the Facebook algorithm. Essentially, we are doing the same thing. We are aggregating millions and millions of scans uh, from each modality. Um, we need to clean the data, to annotate it, to cross-check it against biopsy results or outcome results, um, and then train the algorithm, the, those neural networks, uh, until they get to a stage where their accuracy is uh, uh, as good or better than a human being. And on that subject, how, how, how is the technology? Are there any benchmarks you can tell us in, in, in any of these areas? Um, yeah, so it's um, Zebra is not alone in this field, and there are hundreds of publications already published of machine learning and deep learning on uh, medical imaging scans, and the results are astonishing. Um, there are in many cases, uh, you see accuracy levels that are north of uh, 90 or 95% uh, for specific conditions. Um, and the radiologist uh, accuracy rate in those conditions is like is sometimes twenty percent less of the algorithm. Yeah, thus thus the dog joke, right? Which is the algorithms are already really really good, better than the average radiologist. For specific uh, findings, uh, I would say yes, but uh, the uh, average radiologist has in his mind currently hundreds of those algorithms and ah. the ability to understand the context and, uh, and why this patient came in and if, uh, if a certain dot in the picture is relevant even to see because it's a, it's a child in uh, New York and not an old lady in China. Yeah. And so many things that uh, dumb algorithms can't do, the radiologists do instantly, but we all know after seeing what happened with uh, commercial airlines or now with autonomous cars, we know that the algorithms will get there. Right. Um, Ayal, take us back to the origin story. Where you, You're you not a radiologist. Well, I don't, you know, tell us a little bit about your background. You ended up, you went to the Wharton School, I know, and graduated in 2008. Uh, walk us through how where this idea came from and, and how you got connected. So, uh, Zebra is the fifth startup that I started. And uh, one of the first startups I started uh, many years ago was around image processing. It was a company that was called Peak Scout, Picture Scouting. Mm -hmm. And we used to work with uh, the entire stock photography and art market uh, to help uh, museums and stock photographers and stock agencies to detect uh, where their images are being used online and in magazines. So we used original uh, image processing techniques uh, and we had a very large database of 100 million proprietary photos that were handled to us by those uh, companies like uh, Getty Images and Reuters and Corbis so we can guard them and monitor them. Mm -hmm. We used to crunch billions and billions of pixels every day from the web and compare, compare those photos the original set of uh, 100 million photos. Um, so at the time, while I was the CEO of this uh, company, uh, I had a scuba diving incident in Mexico, and they hospitalized me in some mediocre clinic there, um, and the, the technician 
took too many x-ray shots at me, tried to diagnose what I had. So it, it wasn't even a doctor. It was an x-ray technician. There was no doctor in the radius of three days from this uh, place. Um, and uh, there was me stuck in a bed half my size <laughs> with nine analog x-rays and a technician with even with no dog to bark on him. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, while running a company that compares billions of photos to each other. So I connected the dots and I said, okay, if, I'm, if I get out of here alive one day and I get lucky, um, I'll try to solve this thing for the medical world. Um, and in 2011, we got lucky. We had a successful acquisition of the company and, and Getty Images acquired it. And we started to work on this new venture. Yeah. So we just have a couple minutes left, but I, our listeners, you're very modest and I haven't given away of the, any of this information, but but you have a, a truly remarkable group of investors. You've raised about, if I can believe, Crunchbase around $20 million from organizations like Costla Ventures and and Mark Benioff, founder of Salesforce and Intermountain Healthcare, which is one of the most amazing healthcare providers in the world. These are remarkably A-list kinds of investors. How did you go from being uh, image image entrepreneur to connecting with that kind of community to make this happen? So it's it's all very gradu- gradual um, because of my previous startups and venture connections. Uh, um, it was relatively easy for me to get to the right general partners and the right VCs. Uh, at the time, I would say uh, Vinod Kosla was really one of the first visionaries in this field. Um, now everyone gets it these days, and, and many VCs are chasing AI investments in uh, healthcare. But uh, but uh, five years ago, um, it, there were only few, and uh, Vinod Kosla was definitely one of them and he really got it after the first meeting Um, and then uh, gradually um, once we based our operation and started uh, to produce more and more of those algorithms we we came on the radar of the intermountain healthcare guys Mm -hmm. Um, and then we were privileged to have them as uh, investors and uh, they are really helping us in terms of uh, the clinical aspects as well, and many of their doctors are helping us, and, and they are really one of the best healthcare system out there in terms of uh, quality and the ability to maintain also an economically viable organization while running the healthcare system, which is very important as well. Um, all right. Well, we just have 30 seconds, Al, and I got to ask you my last question. Is it true that you operate on a kibbutz in, in Israel? Yes, it's true. <laughs> wow, that's really uh, cool. It, yeah. It's not uh, the this kibbutz is now far from being what you imagine when you think about yeah. the kibbutz. Uh, we have a big office building with companies like uh, Johnson and Johnson and yeah, IBM yeah, yeah, and American yeah. Express and even Toys R Us. But, uh, it is built inside a kibbutz and we pay rent to the kibbutz. All right, that's so awesome. All right, Ayel, thanks so much for joining me. Super interesting. Thank you, guys. Bye All right. Bye-bye. To learn more, zebra-med.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM, Channel 111. 
The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.